Manuel, there is too much butter on those trays. No, 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 senor. What? Not, not on those trays. No, sir. Uno, dos, tres. <laughs> Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is the FOMO Show. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is the podcast where you'll hear about blockchain, cryptocurrency, emerging markets and future tech in relatively plain English. We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get the fear of missing out. You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for the FOMO Show on your platform of choice. So this episode, we're going to be talking about... Uh, the things we liked from Google I.O. Uh, we'll go through a couple of news headlines. We'll also do an update on smart contracts, uh, where they're at, where they're going, and uh, some of our picks for where we think the uh, the industry is going to go as a whole. We're going to be talking about Coin Storage Guru, which mm. is an interesting way of keeping your private keys secure. And we'll also check in with Jordan Cronier and Dan Dan, the ICO man. If you'd like to be a part of the show, why not send us a voice recording? Record it in Telegram and ping it to us. FOMO.show slash Telegram. Joe, is this investment advice? Um, definitely not investment or any other advice for that matter. Um, we're not saying you should buy any kind of cryptocurrency at all. Um, we're both personally invested in a bunch of different cryptocurrencies, um, some of which we talk about on the show. But if we talk about it, it doesn't mean you should buy it. Yeah, so do your research. Never invest more than you can afford to lose. And most importantly, avoid the fear of missing out. What have you been up to the last couple of weeks? I hosted a workshop earlier this week for uh, some people in business. Mm. And it was basically a masterclass on blockchain and smart contracts and from a business context. So, How did uh, it go? What was the reception? It was really good. And it was, some really interesting things came out of it. So I think there's more people looking to participate in this industry than I thought there was. Wow. Because everyone there essentially said, oh, our clients are either looking at blockchain or mm. other businesses in the space are either looking at blockchain. And, uh, and they were all really keen to learn. And we essentially stepped through blockchain from the beginnings and then we, we touched on Ethereum and why smart contracts, the concept of a smart contract changed the way we looked at blockchain as a whole. Mm-hmm. We then did some practical examples of some real smart contracts and then uh, went through tokens, projects, platforms. Uh, we touched on some of the competitors to Ethereum, which are coming through now, and then essentially did a, a session on how you can prepare your business going forward. So wow. it all went really well. It was, a, it was a full day. I've got another one in Melbourne next week, which should go well too. Yeah, just, um, just, just really good. There was a lot of interaction. A lot of people are genuinely trying to understand this and what it means for their business. And I think we're really going to see business beginning to take this and run with it at all levels, not just at the top level. So, mm. yeah, really, really interesting to see. Uh, we also went to a Bitcoin versus Bitcoin yeah, cash yeah. <laughs> event. What was that, your impression of that? Uh, well, it was a bit of pulling out my hair. Um, very entertaining. It was basically six nerds arguing about which of these two cryptocurrencies is better than the other. Mm. Oh, it was just kind of a pointless debate in my mind. Um, what did you take away from it? Yeah, look, I think both sides came from very interesting and different perspectives. Uh, there was there was some very spirited debate on both sides, mm-hmm. but the the whole topic of the night was Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash, a zero sum game, which uh, essentially kind of painted it in the light that you know Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash are the only real two currencies that we need to care about, which mm-hmm. was completely inaccurate and. So I think for what it was, it was good, but 
the the big takeaway for me was that we need to keep looking further outside just Bitcoin and Bitcoin mm-hmm. Cash. I think there's there's some good innovation coming from Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. They're both doing things, but a lot of what they're doing is already being done better in other ways, in my view. And I think my my big issue with the whole thing and the whole perspective that it, it, it has to be one of the two Bitcoins is that it feels like there's a lot of people who invested in Bitcoin early mm-hmm. and now their Bitcoin's worth, worth a lot. And they're the ones really pushing this whole, it needs to be a Bitcoin mm. debate mm. because there's other currencies out there that do great stuff. Uh, Dash, NEM, um, Pivx is one of our favorites and they don't really get mentioned in these types of debates. And I think a part of that's by design because a lot of the old, kind of like the old boys club, I get, I guess, they've, uh, they all invested early and they want to make sure that Bitcoin's the dominant one. So... Mm. They get their uh, they get their money at the end. Yeah, but it, look, it was a, it was a good night. There's a vi- there's a video up floating around somewhere. I think from the night, it's worth checking out. There were some conspiracy theories that came out. Fascinating uh, stuff. <laughs> some really interesting perspectives on what happened between Bitcoin Core mm. and like Roger Vera and the Bitcoin Cash guys. But we did see a f- couple of uh, podcast listeners, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. So we saw uh, Richie Rich BTC. Uh, we saw Luke, uh, one, of our, one of our good friends, and Casey, who hosts the Crypto Talk podcast, which you can find at cryptotalk.podbean.com. So it's great to see you guys there. Thanks for coming. Cool. If you're new around here and new to crypto, you can check out our Blockchain Basics series. It starts from episode two and continues until around episode eight. And it'll give you a grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. And wherever you're joining us from, uh, absolute pleasure having you here. Uh, Why not drop into our Telegram channel? Come and say hello. Um, It's firma.show slash Telegram. Yeah, and we've got it's it's in we've got a fair amount of people in there now. It's it's there's some real good discussion going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We we try and touch, we try and put little nuggets in there every now and then, and 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 people seem to be bringing up some really interesting topics. So, if you're in the mood for some some uh, some good discussion, then uh, check the Telegram out. Excellent. So a bunch of news going on this yeah. week. Um, so many things. We're just going to run through a bunch of them. Um, oh, consensus conference is on in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it was on the whole of this week just gone. Maybe that's... Is that the Ethereum conference? I think it's run by a group of people. I think Coindesk are involved. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's just Ethereum. Right, I think it's, right, right. I think it's a lot of different parties that are right. involved. Yeah, it's kind of like the big conference for blockchain and cryptocurrencies yeah. apparently well there was there was plenty of plenty of news that came, well not a lot of news that came out yeah. of the events but there was a lot of press attention there's a lot of yeah. pr around it. i mean we were seeing photos of rented lamborghinis parked out the front uh and there wasn't when there's some rented protesters that were uh that were was it bankers against bitcoin yeah, yeah there was this whole like meta meta protest going on uh, some mining company had purchased uh, had like hired a whole bunch of actors to walk through the street nice. and pretend to be bankers who were like against Bitcoin and trying to save their centralized jobs. And, <laughs> like it was funny. I saw some pretty interesting uh, debate around it and some people's opinions. They felt that maybe it wasn't what people should be doing, but I don't know. I thought it was a bit of fun. I got yeah. a laugh out of it. I th- I'd like to think that that's all. They were just trying to be ironic. And mm. um, but yeah, you're right, mate. I feel like. There was a lot of press around the consensus conference and a lot of people kind of went there and wanted to spruik their own, you know, blockchain products. But 
I don't. I didn't see a lot of substantive news coming out of the conference, which kind of surprised me because you look at like E3 or what's the big tech one that CES? Is it yeah, CES? Yeah. yeah. They'll normally like companies will save up all their biggest news for those conferences, mm. and then uh, and then they'll they'll push it out. I think Bitcoin Cash had some kind of update going on during the conference, but yeah, I was quite surprised that there wasn't. There was a lot of hype, but. Didn't seem to be a lot of substance. So, mm. yeah. So, um, what's been going on in Wall Street? There are a bunch of stories that are related to this. Um, headline being, I guess, for all these stories is Wall Street is warming to virtual currency trading. So, the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange has been working on an online trading platform that would allow large investors to buy and hold Bitcoin, according to emails and documents viewed by the New York Times. Um and yeah, so that's quite kind of interesting. There are a bunch of other sort of related pieces after this. So Goldman Sachs, mm. who you mentioned last episode, uh, we're going to launch a trading desk mm. in the coming weeks. Mm. They've now introduced their own version of Tether, uh, a one-to-one USD stablecoin mm. called, I can't remember what it's called, Circle? No. Circle USD coin. Yeah. A digital version of the dollar that you'll be able to purchase by trading in, you know, real money. Yeah. According to Futurism. And this was interesting because they kind of took a bit of a swipe at Tether and said, oh, this will actually be a, um, it will be a currency that's that's got real money behind it as opposed to Tether, which you know, famously hasn't been audited yet. Uh, and you can make mm. of that whatever you want. But they seem to be trying to offer another option that may have a little bit more uh, reality behind it. It's funny to see all these institutions that crypto was ostensibly set up to displace now really jumping into the game. Next piece, HSBC uh, and ING Bank um, have both worked with the food giant Cargill to make a soybean transaction via the blockchain. And essentially, they use the blockchain to exchange a letter of credit uh, mm. within, yeah, within the quarter platform. So that oh. was kind of interesting. Okay. Next up, you've got Germany's second largest stock exchange is launching a zero-fee cryptocurrency trading app. Wow. So that's great for European, well, German and European um, listeners. So is that that's kind of meant to compete with Robinhood then? Is that what they're going for? Uh, uh, potentially. Robinhood are very long, are a very long way off coming past the US and Australia. Right. So there's a lot of regulatory battles to get through. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, they're the, the, I think it's the Bourse or something, the... Yeah, the stock exchange. So yeah. Oh look, zero fees is is, is always good. Can't That's go what wrong, you want. You? And yeah, second largest stock exchange. So they've they've obviously seen the writing on the wall and they want to get into the action too. Mm. FedEx is also eyeing up the blockchain, mate. Yeah, so I think that could have been at the consensus conference. They basically the CEO of FedEx said, look, it's the next frontier that's going to completely change worldwide supply chains. Mm. So they're going to be using it. They're actually using it to track large, higher value cargo. Wow. Really exciting stuff. And it's what we've been talking about for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I, nice to see it's starting to happen. Yeah, I think supply chain is probably the biggest use case. It's right for this blockchain stuff. Um, and I use it in even in the workshops, workshops I've been doing. Supply chain is one of the biggest ones I use because you can just do so much with it. You, mm. And you can you can do it really trustlessly. And um, you, can, you can use a lot of inputs to automate things in a way that everyone can see what's going on. And all of your different parties, because there's normally so many different parties in the supply chain, they can all plug into it. So mm. it doesn't surprise me to see them trying to get ahead of this and and harness it to uh, to increase their productivity and, and their supply chain. 
Next piece, uh, HTC, the smartphone giant, um, are launching a blockchain-powered smartphone, which you can apparently buy with cryptocurrency, according to headlines I've been reading. I haven't mm. really looked into it too much. Yeah. Kind of interesting, blockchain-powered smartphones. Yeah, so they're describing it as the world's first native blockchain phone, and it sounds like you're going to be able to run distributed applications on it. They've already said that they're going to support Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, and a few other uh, different networks. I think... The big thing for me is we're just going to have to wait and see what that looks like because it could mean that you're able to run a node, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a light node on the phone. I'm not sure whether you're going to run a light node or the full node mm-hmm. or whether HTC are going to have their own nodes that you connect to and maybe have a bit more of an interface through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, mate, I think, look, if you can if you can get some hardware you can run distributed applications on mm-hmm. and you can pre-populate that phone with a lot of the, the dApps, then... I think that's a that's a big way to get people into using blockchain in a in a native way because we talk a lot about user experience and and the fact that it's quite difficult at the moment. Mm. But if they can build that into a phone and they can build it into it, the phone in a meaningful way, where it's not just a marketing gimmick, I think it could be quite powerful. Mm. But um, it's all it's all just conjecture at the moment. They don't have a working product yet, but it's definitely something to watch. Mm. IBM are issuing a carbon credit cryptocurrency token on the Stellar blockchain. Mm. So they're going to be using the proceeds from that sell-off of the token to reforest a 250-square-mile patch of rainforest on the Isle of Borneo. Wow. Um, so, yeah, carbon credits, that's going to be on the uh, blockchain. Well, they're, they're messing around with that. They're IBM and uh, a company called v- something. What's your view on uh, carbon credits, mate? I've heard you talk about them before. Oh, there are pros and cons. Um, it's basically a way that you, as a company, if you're putting out a filthy amount of pollution, you can buy carbon credits, which represent a ton of carbon, mm. off um, oh, a wind turbine producer to sort of offset your pollution. Right. So it's. I think that a carbon credit represents yeah one ton taken out of the atmosphere or something okay. like that. So okay. And it's now a commodity that you can trade. So that's kind of random. Right. Um, yeah, not sure I'm, I'm massively into them, but mm. they are a thing. I guess it's 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 as much for company's PR as anything else then to be able to say, you know, we've offset this much of our pollution mm. with carbon credits. And to be fair, carbon credits could be put on the blockchain very, very yeah. effectively. Yeah. And it could turn from being almost a bit dodgy at the moment to yeah. actually something that's actually verifiable. Yeah. And that verifiable nature could actually be really big. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's good to see that someone's uh, looking into it. Mm. IBM seemed to be at the forefront of a lot of this, mate. I'm, I'm increasingly impressed with what they're doing as far as blockchain development goes. Mm. Yeah. Another week, another IBM headline. Yeah. <laughs> so the next bit of news, Oracle are launching blockchain software later in May or June 2018. And uh, the software giant revealed that it will launch a platform as a service product based on blockchain technology at some point this month. What did mm. you think of this? It's... I guess they're sort of going along and a bunch of other people are doing. Oracle are actually working with a couple of different countries. They're working on something in Nigeria at the moment. I think it's to do with ports and shipping. Yeah. Uh, and they're working with another country as well on something pretty big, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But they're already doing some stuff with it. So, yeah, it's more competition in the market, the better, I think. Yeah. Um, so, for, for those that don't know, Oracle is, uh, I think it's the fourth largest tech company in the world. They're very, very big. Um, I know them from their virtual machine software because mm-hmm. um, that's what I've used them through. And that's why when I saw this, I thought, well, that makes sense because they're developing virtual machine technology. And like Ethereum, for example, runs a virtual machine. 
and you could look at most crypto networks as a type of virtual machine because you've, you've essentially got um, a computer that's running on like you got a distributed network of computers all running the same operating system mm. as it were so it makes sense that a company that's made them a lot of their money in the last 20 years helping people run virtual machines would look at the blockchain and say well we've kind of got the skills to do a lot of that we might as well start making products for it yeah 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 this is one you sent uh in the last week it was quite funny um and amazon have gotten approved patent from the u.s patent office for tracking cryptocurrency transactions and that came out of the dollar vigilante who really they don't mess around with their words it's funny i think they called amazon a corporatist retail giant uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <not> wrong <laughs> yeah no they're not wrong uh, but it's, it's essentially uh the patent states that a law enforcement agency may be a customer and may desire to receive global bitcoin transactions correlated by country with isp data to determine source ip addresses and shipping addresses that correlate to that Bitcoin address. The agency may not want to make additional available enhancements, such as local bank data records. So essentially they're saying, we're going to build some software to interpret the blockchain, and we're gonna tie that to to some data you may already have, Mm. which will help you identify who holds which address. And it's essentially gonna be like, from what it looks like, it looks like Amazon are gonna build like a phone book of sorts for Bitcoin addresses. Mm. And- They already do a huge amount of work for this. Sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. We just have to kind of give in and and, and help the man. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, like it's not surprising really. And Microsoft, they've released the um, Azure Blockchain Workbench. Um, now, apparently that's going to speed up my blockchain project builds if I was using it. What, yep. what, what are your key points? Because I see that I saw your tabs and I think you had something open in that. Yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> it's funny. I I just undeployed all my blockchain stuff on Azure yesterday. So when you sign up for an Azure account, you get $260 free mm-hmm. usage. So I'd installed a blockchain workbench and deployed an Ethereum blockchain on Azure yep. and just started playing around with it. And look, it was like it was really easy. I got to admit, it was it was really easy to deploy. It's not quite point and click yet, so it's not quite. You don't just log in and go, "I want to start a blockchain," and right. click a button, and then your okay. blockchain's all up and running. There's still some custom code you need to do. Mm. They'll step you through it on their site. Considering when you look at how much it takes to set up a blockchain in any other way, it's vastly better. I think they deployed. When I looked at it, they deployed 27 different resources, so a few servers, a couple of nodes, all sorts of different things, uh, and that took like 30 minutes. Wow. The workshop I did earlier this week, I, I ran people through a bit of what Azure does, and mm. then there's a really good video, uh, which we might even link in the show notes, uh, done by Microsoft Mechanics, and they right. show just how easy it is to get some of this stuff up and running now with this new workbench thing. So if you're a dev and you're used to working with Azure, which a lot of devs are, uh, it just means that you can actually begin working with the blockchain in a f- familiar environment in a familiar way. So, man, I was really impressed. I, I, I can't speak highly enough of what Microsoft are doing 
to help businesses deploy private and consortium blockchain. What I really like about what they're doing is they're providing the interface between blockchain and IoT devices baked right. in. So they've um they the, one of the big things that they've got is they've got like a automation section. Yeah. And so you can like build your smart contract mm. and you can have several condition based events within your smart contract. Mm. And in Azure, it's just like a, a flow chart. Wow. And so you can say if this action executes, then send an email out to these people or you send, phone this person or send this notification to this compliance officer or whatever. But it's all really uh, intuitive. Wow. And it's just like a if you've ever done email automation or use Zapier or anything like that, that's what it feels like. That's incredible. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's like that. Again, it's like that convergence between blockchain and stuff we're already used to. So I don't mean to rave on about Microsoft Azure, but like the more I use it and the more I see what they're doing, the more impressed I am with mm. how they're kind of bringing everything together. Think about how beautiful Apple blockchain will be there. <laughs> They'd hide everything from you though. So true. Yeah. 20% thinner, 30% lighter. 50% less blockchain. <laughs> a Chinese state-owned institution is going to start the Moody's for crypto. Mm. So this is part of a, I think it's one of the, an offshoot of one of the technical branches of the Chinese government. But essentially what they're going to be doing is just every, I think they're calling it the Global Public Chain Assessment Index. And they'll be initially focusing on 28 major blockchain projects. And every, I don't know if it's every few months, they're going to be going through and coming up with ratings for a lot of the biggest crypto projects. Mm. Interesting sort of stuff. Yeah, and they've already done their first one, I'm pretty sure. I think, okay. I think I saw it come out and they rated Ethereum number one, I think. And Neo was in there at number three or number four. Right. Blocked, uh, Bitcoin was around 11 or 12, I right. think. That's right. Right kind of in the middle, in the middle of the pack. Um, but... They've got all sorts of different metrics that they're ranking these things by. I was quite surprised that they rated Ethereum above NEO. I thought for sure that NEO was a shoe in for the number one because they were such mm. a big thing in China. Mm. But um, yeah, Ethereum was in there and there, there are a few others. But China's definitely paying attention to this. I think we've talked about it before. Like they've, They're building this Silk Road throughout Europe and the amount of logistical infrastructure that's going into that it makes sense for them to be really pivoting towards at least building blockchain into a lot of that stuff. So it's quite likely anyone along that Silk Road or whatever are going to have to really be paying attention to what's coming out of the Chinese government. So this metric will probably be a good way to, to feel out where the Chinese government may be shifting as well and where they may be looking to. Hmm. And then there's a, a port in China, actually, called, uh, I think it's Kaofadian. Um, it, they're going fully autonomous with cranes and trucks by the end of 2018. Currently, they, I think they move around 300,000 20-foot containers a year, wow. which means they're not actually one of the biggest ports in the world. Like, I think Rotterdam does millions of these things a year. But they're still, a, you know, it's still a big port by any standard. Mm. So... Now they're going to actually have 20 autonomous trucks doing most of the heavy heavy driving and uh, and a bunch of cranes do all the lifting. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah, it seems like it's a US Chinese startup called Too Simple. And how's that spelled? T U S I M P L E. Okay. Yeah, and they're uh they're hoping to have they've got 20 self-driving models of trucks. Wow. And they're hoping to essentially have one kind of model for every everything this port needs and 
have the whole port go completely autonomous. That's their goal. They they really want autonomous trucks to become become a big deal. Wow. Yeah. So I guess if it works well for this, this will be their first real test. And if it works well for this, they're going to be able to go to other ports and say, well, we've done it in Calfidian Cal or whatever the name is. Let's uh, let's do it somewhere else. And yeah, it's just another sign of where things are going. Hmm. Everything's about automation now. Are flying cars becoming a horrifying reality? Um, <laughs> I, I'm really hopeful for flying cars. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm really hopeful for flying cars. Uh-huh. I like it. I, yeah, I um, I, because I sit in traffic a fair bit, <laughs> and of like course. at the moment, I found out that flying cars were actually on the horizon. I was, I sit there now in traffic, and I just think. It makes so much more sense to be able to go above, above the ground because you know on a road like you've, you're real limited. You can only go one way on one surface. Hmm. But the moment you go up into the air, you're just limited by how high you're allowed to go hmm. and how well your traffic is controlled. I mean, that's if we're going to have flying cars, they can't be piloted by humans. It's just I just unless maybe r- right at the beginning, but I think the moment it becomes any kind of busy up there. It's going to have to be automated. Mm. Which is terrifying and great at the same time. <laughs> so what's this company doing? They're in a Ohio-based passenger drone startup called Workhorse Group Incorporated. They unveiled their Surefly vertical takeoff and landing drone for human passengers at the Paris Air Show last summer. And since then, they've actually sent it into the air with a pilot inside for the first time. Wow. So there are a bunch of different companies that are doing this. I mean, you've probably seen Uber's Uber on this. Yeah. Uh, they've f- got some crazy conceptual stuff too. Like mm. if you go on the Uber site and look at some of their videos. Oh. It does look, in, it, it looks insane. And there are a few yeah. different companies out there looking at this stuff. I think it is apparently more than a dozen who have already passed the conceptualization and design phase. Yeah. Um, now, this company, Workhorse Group, are the first to get full like FCC approval. Wait, yeah. FCC? F, which is the one that... FAA approval. FAA. Um, good to see them like testing with actual people inside. Mm. I've got some concern. Like My main question problem is, if we're moving to this, I hope it's not based on regular fuel. Yeah. But obviously, you know, it seems to be the only solution to any problem we have is use petrol or but then diesel. again like most drones you see now aren't running on fuel they're running on electricity yep. and most of the autonomous car models that i'm i'm seeing anyway yep. like looking at the uber stuff it seems like just a bigger drone mm. like that seems like what they're running mm. on like any gushing tesla enthusiast which i am i actually can't continue without a quote from my dear leader um here's what he had to say um Let's just say that if something's flying over your head, if there are a whole bunch of flying cars going all over the place, um, that is not an, an anxiety-reducing uh, <laughs> situation. You don't think to yourself, well, I feel better about today. Um, <laughs> you're thinking, like, did they service their hubcap? Or is it going <laughs> to come off and guillotine me as they're flying past? <laughs> He's right, though, I guess. <laughs> to be honest, like, if... if I think nearly anything has to be safe for them driving on some of these roads at the moment because um, you just, I feel like here in the city anyway, you take your life into your own hands every time you go out to drive because there's just so many bad drivers. There are some insane people on the road, man. 
I drive on the speed limit and I'm the slowest one on the road. Yeah. Either that or my speedo's wrong, which yeah. could be correct. But and I there's mean. these there's these things called marks, like line marks on the road. Oh, yeah. And um I pay attention to them, but oh, yeah. it seems like a lot of people just don't. You're in the minority. Yeah, they'll just drift over in your lane all the time and drift back and <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm I'm quietly optimistic for driverless <laughs> flying vehicles. Oh mate, it would be fantastic. China, they're aiming to follow Elon SpaceX um, by recovering the first stage of one of their rockets, which mm. is still under development. So they're looking to make a maiden flight around 2021, which would mean it's not just SpaceX who are going after reusable rockets, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's a justification. Well, it's validation for what Musk has been doing mm. like with his mm. design mm. principles. It's that someone else is picking it up and saying, okay, actually, yeah, like, we should be capturing these rockets again mm. and we should be reusing them because it's silly to waste mm. all that money mm. and not reuse them. <laughs> mm. Mm. So there you go. China are actually aiming to uh, do some space exploration in the near future and get a lot of vehicles up into space, which is mm. really exciting. Another bit of news. Uh, on Monday at Consensus, RSK, which is a startup that's working on Bitcoin, have announced that they're going to be implementing a sidechain which can handle smart contracts and initially i saw this and i thought well smart contracts on bitcoin that doesn't make much sense but when you look into the documents it actually seems like it's really bitcoin in name only like they've got a side chain but it's basically all on their own infrastructure and it's almost attached in nearly every way my impression is that it's not really bitcoin smart contracts it's just a company that's building their own chain, which has some similarities to Bitcoin, and uh, they're turning smart contracts on on that right. chain. So that's my view. Obviously, it's all news right now, so we'll see how it actually gets implemented, but I'm not real excited about it yet. So this week for our tool of the episode, we're going to talk about Reddit. And we just wanted to highlight it because it is actually a really useful tool to stay across what's going on in crypto. We actually decided this would be the tool because the other day we were at lunch with a friend and he'd n heard about Reddit a thousand times. Mm. He'd never been on it. Yeah. So, yeah, basically Reddit is a website where you can submit links to things that you find on the internet that are cool and other people on Reddit will vote it up or down. Now, Reddit consists of a bunch of subreddits. For every possible interest on the planet, mm. there is a subreddit. Literally every possible interest. That's so weird. Um, there are some really interesting ones. So for you know Matt's ice hockey team, there is a subreddit. For um, a cryptocurrency that you enjoy, every single cryptocurrency has its own subreddit. Mm. The crazy thing about Reddit is every subreddit has a few people who literally scour the internet for articles and pieces of news and all sorts of interesting things to post up in that subreddit. And the only real reward they get from that is upvotes, yeah. which is like the currency of Reddit. So mm. it's Reddit kind of has its own cryptocurrency, and that's in a way like it's not it's not a cryptocurrency, but it's like a, a token, it's tokenized value, and that's upvotes. And mm -hmm. people really like come to to get these upvotes. Mm. So they'll you'll generally find that almost every Reddit will have a few active people that will feed you all the news mm -hmm. about that one thing. You can just subscribe to that subreddit and you can check it every day. Mm -hmm. And if you go to what's called your front page, yeah. which is kind of like a, a, it pulls together 
posts from all the different Reddits you subscribe to, mm. it will show you just like a feed you can just keep scrolling through mm. and scrolling through and scrolling through of news from all those subreddits. With each link that is posted to Reddit, there's a whole lot of discussion as well. So mm. there's a lot of you, like if you want a good laugh <laughs> on the internet, go on Reddit. There's a great one called Ask Reddit where you can ask questions to edit, to Reddit and the community of Reddit will come and give you the most offensive slash hilarious slash whatever answers. Mm. Lots to watch out for. So yeah. It's not a pretty website. It's not. It's one of the ugliest websites on the internet. Mm. Um, there are it, ways to make it better though. There are. Yeah. yeah. So how do you use it normally? So I use the app on my phone. So just to browse through the things that I've already subscribed to. Um, I've joined a bunch of subreddits, some for videos, some for 360 videos, some for fonts and typography, yep. some for a bunch of different things. And I basically just find cool stuff on there. Yep. I don't really post to Reddit, but yep. I I just get so much ideas from other people on the internet. So, mm. yeah, that's what I use it for. And what app do you use on your phone? Um, I use the Slide app, yeah. which is a really nice app. Mm. Um, I use Slide as well. Nice. It's, I really like it too. Yeah. Right. So if if you're on Android, I, I'm not sure if they've got an Apple app, but if you're on Android, Slide is we can mm. both recommend that. And uh, the good thing about it too is you can have all your you can pull your most favorite subreddits to the kind of like the front mm-hmm. where you'll see it, and then you can swipe to the left, and it'll go to the next subreddit. Wow. The next subreddit. So you can you can kind of have like a hierarchy of all the different Reddits you check. And so the, your most visited ones will show up at the start when you first open the app. And then as you swipe to your right, you'll get further and further along in all the different wow. subreddits, which is cool. So. I literally don't use it how it's intended then. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were into forums back in the day, I feel like Reddit's kind of become the new yeah, forum yeah. for a lot of things. Mm. Like I, looking back on it, I can see that my forum use went way down the moment I discovered Reddit because mm. Reddit just, it makes so much more sense like mm. with the upvoting mechanism yeah. and the way that comments work and you can have them nested and everything's really fresh, mm. but it's all still there if you want to go back and search it. Mm. it yeah, it's kind of like same kind of uh, theory behind what forums used to be, but it just works a lot better. Mm. So, yeah, go check it out. I We find it's a really good way to manage our news and keep up with things to do with blockchain hmm. smart contracts what's going on with smart contracts where are they at what can our dear listeners <laughs> hear from you yeah so like we said earlier on um i've been generating content for a couple of workshops that i'm running i think it was just a good time to go back and revisit smart contracts we we covered them i think in episode three two or three or four somewhere around there and we haven't really circled back and done a good session on smart contracts since then so the big thing that i've noticed is that businesses are really starting to look at smart contracts so Mm -hmm. blockchain and smart contracts that business are really starting to take notice and they're starting to wonder how they can begin implementing it into their workflow and I think we, as like the cryptocurrency community in inverted commas, we focus a lot on the monetary side of things and like on freeing the monetary system and all, all that kind of stuff. But like more and more businesses and other sectors are looking to incorporate distributed ledger technology that the financial side of it is gradually diminishing. I think, for example, if you're a developer, it's a really good time to start beginning looking at a technology because there's only going to be more and more jobs in this space as time goes on. So my strategy for learning smart contracts, for example, has been learn the basics of smart contracts on Ethereum. There's uh, there's several good Code Academy or Udemy courses out there. 
begin paying attention to the differences between each of the platforms because Mm -hmm. I think what we're seeing is that Ethereum has been just going far too slow for the last year or two and a lot of competitors are popping up as smart contract platforms and you've got EOS, you've got Cardano, uh, you've got Tendermint, which is Mm -hmm. an amazing project which is really worth looking at. Uh, you've got, and they've got a, a product called Cosmos, which is also really worth looking at. Uh, Hashgraph is another one and NEM as well, which we've covered before. And I think for me, I've found that the best way to keep across things is to get active in developer channels. The EOX Telegram has uh, a lot of great resources and also get familiar with the offerings from like big players at the moment. It's like Microsoft Azure, for example, which we've talked about, but, um, Look, I think the platforms in general are beginning to mature, mm-hmm. but the public implement- implementations for a lot of it just aren't there yet. So businesses are looking a lot more at private blockchains now. Right. That's um, and and blockchains that can perform very specific business tasks for them. That's that's a trend that I've really seen. So, what are your what are your key takeaways from what from what you've been learning so far? I mean, you've been using it. I've seen you've been coding with them. You've been looking at the possibilities in some platforms and trying to compare them head to head. What are the key takeaways that you'd have for us? Yeah, so I think the first thing to say is smart contracts themselves are very simple. What I've learned is that generally you want to keep your smart contracts as simple as possible. And it's everything else that's around the smart contracts that gets really complicated. So building an application, like the reason that our applications are so not user-friendly at the moment is just because that people are still learning how to incorporate them and how to actually make them work. And so that's one of the, the, the takeaways I've seen. Bringing information in from outside is difficult, difficult also. I think a lot of what smart contracts are really going to rely on is having a trusted way to bring information in from outside that you can act upon. Because mm-hmm. if you've got like a trustless ledger, mm-hmm. you need to be able to inherently trust all the information that's coming in on that ledger. And one of the big problems is, well, how do you trust the information? You know, like if there's so much money and business interest tied up in it, you need to be sure that whatever you're getting is actually good. So there's this concept of oracles, which everyone's, mm-hmm. uh, which a few people have come up with. And you've got two options. You can either have like a private oracle, which is someone that is a company that feeds information to the blockchain. Mm-hmm. And you call on them kind of like how you call an API and you say, I'll trust you because you're Microsoft or, mm-hmm. you know, I'll trust you because you're IBM or something similar. But, um, uh, then there's, but like, that's not great for decentralization. So there's a few different platforms out there now that are looking at doing like a private, a public approach where they incentivize people to run like nodes mm-hmm. and provide good information. They'll get like seven or eight nodes to all retrieve the same information every time. And if anyone tries to game the system, they'll be kicked off, mm. you know, some of it's because everyone else will know that that information is inaccurate. So that's that's another big issue I think that doesn't get talked about enough is how do we plug this in with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so Witnet is a yeah a project that's really worth looking at for that. I liked what I saw from them. I think one of the other things to say is decentralization is very hard too. You know, I've, I've, I, businesses are asking how can we make money out of this, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, there's this real weird like kind of play with blockchain where we want decentralization and a lot of businesses are seeing the value in this decentralization but they're also saying like how do i 
how are we going to make money out of this? You know, like we, we want to take this technology on, but we've got to invest money into this technology and we want to be able to like get ahead of our competitors to be able to make money out of this. Mm. So, uh, so I, what I've been noticing is that they tend to want to re-centralize a lot. They tend to want to bring it back in-house mm. and say, well, how can we use this technology without sending it out to everyone and being open source and you know you look at exchanges for example they're huge money pots we, we kind of got this decentralized technology but we're centralizing it in a whole bunch of exchanges you know like you look at something like binance or bitrex or something they hold huge amounts of crypto on their platform instead of letting users hold it mm. and um there's another one i looked at called irio which is like a medical program how's that spelled I-R-Y-O. Right. And I think I talked to you a bit about this a couple of weeks ago about the fact that having like a blockchain where people could have their medical records on it yeah. would have a lot of benefit to mm-hmm. it. Um, and Irio, Irio are looking at doing something like that. But from what it seems like to me when reading their docs is that they are um, wanting to centralize it on their service oh, as much okay. as possible, you know, which is really no different to... Uh, I mean, the Australian government here is working on something called like My Health or something at the moment. Oh, yeah. And it's really no different to what they're doing if you look at it that way, except it's it's on a blockchain. I think there's a real, I'm just noticing a real disconnect at the moment between what businesses want and that I think a lot of education has to be done about the benefits of decentralizing. Mm. Yeah, I think that's something that people haven't really caught on to yet is that there are benefits to decentralizing. There are benefits to not bringing all that in-house one of the things that I've been telling a lot of people is that if people uh, have decentralized identities on the blockchain and they have blockchain personality, essentially, they don't. you don't have to handle that data as a business. So mm-hmm. if someone has you know, their own blockchain account, an identity on the blockchain, all you have to do is interact with that. Mm-hmm. You don't actually have to store any of that on your own servers because it's all there on the blockchain and you can just pull from it, which means you're not actually taking any of that data on. And we've seen like there's this this new legislation in in Europe called the GDPR, which everyone's been freaking out about, um, and they place a lot more burdens on people hosting data, and it makes a lot of sense if you're a business instead of hosting that data yourself, to just go and get it from something like the blockchain, uh, and get it in a way that it means that you don't have to take it on, and build programs for that as well. And I think that's not getting held up enough as like a really good benefit of the blockchain in that you can use it as like a risk mitigation, essentially. So that's that's a lot of what I've been telling businesses with that as well. But yeah, essentially coming back to smart contracts, I think the biggest thing I'm noticing is that there are a lot of areas ripe for smart contract implementation. As this technology matures, mm. we're going to see more and more of it. And like a lot of the news articles we, we talked about today were either financial or supply chain. And I think that's two areas that are really just completely right for integrating blockchain. As the ecosystem matures, we're going to see people begin to remove middlemen from other areas as well. Mm. So whether it be real estate agents or record companies or exchanges, you know, these big centralized exchanges or retailers uh, will be able to go more directly to the source. There's a lot to be said for this trust layer of the internet that we're creating. And the more we can build that out, the more we can build systems that just automate a lot of the functionality that middlemen Mm. have performed. What were the two industries that you were saying were going to be most affected by it? Uh, Supply chain and financial. Right, Right. Yeah. Uh, I think they're, they're just the two ripest at the moment because I think it's easiest to integrate for both of them. Mm-hmm. Like supply chain, 
it's such a there's so so many huge benefits for for a blockchain model compared to the model they're currently using. Yep. And the, the big thing, and the big thing I focus on with um, that that I see with all this is that you're essentially building a layer where everyone can interact on an equal playing field, mm-hmm. and where information is put down in such a way that you just essentially have to build your application to plug into yeah, that information yeah. as opposed to a current model where, where it's, it's more like data locked away that's right siloed. and you plug into it through APIs mm. and you have to use like Zapier or, or something to mm. to plug into it and lift and kind of chain it all together whereas it's blockchain development is just so different in it kind of works in reverse you essentially structure your program and your application and the information to all exist on a medium that everyone else uses it on as well Mm -hmm. and in a form that everyone else can use it and then you it's like distilling that information where all the work is Mm. so that's why smart contracts are so simple because you're dealing with very a very basic medium Mm -hmm. where information is exchanged and then it's more about how you present that information and how you interact with that information does that make sense I nodded for the last 20 seconds. I definitely was. <laughs> but we're going to see more. Like a supply chain, like we've got IBM and Maersk, which are doing things, got Walmart. I'm mm-hmm. sure Amazon's looking into it. But as we go, I think we're going to see more. Like a, the law, like because that's my background, I think that's there's going to be a lot of blockchain integration within the law. That's a very good... Hold on. That's a very good point you make about Amazon, though. Yeah. Because they're building a bunch of software stuff for it. Yeah. But... Not like integ- that is just so obvious. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I'm Why sure they're working. I, I, on I stuff. totally missed that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they're working on stuff behind the scenes. Um. So like if if you're if if you're a business and you're you're involved in any of those supply chain businesses, I think learning more about the blockchain and how you can integrate it into your workflow is going to be more and more important as the big players start to use it. Cool. So that's that's basically the. The smart contract update. Is there anything you wanted to add, Joe? Mate, no, I don't. I don't have anything to add to that, really. Um, I mean, there's just so much potential with them. That's the that's the big one. Mm. Uh, yeah, you just you can see that they're the future, but you can't see it running at two two transactions a, a minute. Sort of. Yeah, well, I think that's why scaling's so important. That's why we're seeing um, you know, EOS and Cardano and. Tendermint, we, we'll, we'll have to do a section on Tendermint sometime in the near future. Right. Because that what they are building is unreal. And I'm really excited. The more I look into that, the more I'm really excited about that as well because they're, they're building a technology where essentially you can put any blockchain on their technology and have inter-blockchain communication right. between those different chains. And you can also have what they call like a peg zone which allows you to monitor what's going on on one blockchain and code smart contracts on another blockchain to basically act on what's happening on that other chain. That's really interesting. Which is really interesting, yeah. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what they're doing, so I don't feel like I'm... Like I, I talk about it a bit, but I don't feel like I'm really ready to be like, this is what they're doing because right, yeah, yeah. there's just so much technical aspects to to the the product Mm, they're building mm, but yeah really really interesting what those guys are doing as well so yeah there's a lot of work being done scaling and i think until we have something that can work at scale 
we're, we're just going to see a lot of people keep building these private blockchains because it just makes more commercial sense for them than to, to do anything on the public one. Cool. So, um, so mate, you, um, you've been really looking at a lot of this Google I.O. stuff. Yeah, so every year Google have this conference event thing where they bring in a bunch of reporters, tech nerds, developers, and just tell them what's going on with their products, their all their updates. Um, so yeah, Google I.O. this year is a bunch of really cool coding stuff which we're just not going to cover because we're not trying to bore you to death here. So there are just a few cool things that I saw from their general tech things, which I just figured would be worth sharing. The first one is Google News is being revamped, so it's built on AI and tailored to you. Um, let's play a little clip from their introduction video. We're completely rebuilding Google News. It uses artificial intelligence to analyze all the content published to the web at any moment and organize all those articles, videos, and more into storylines. It spots the ones you might be interested in and puts them into your briefing. Your briefing helps you get up to speed on five top storylines happening now. It's organized for you with local, national, and global stories on the topics you care about. If you want to go deeper, just tap to get full coverage. You get a complete view of a storyline reported by sources with a range of perspectives, articles, videos, the timeline, and opinion and analysis. The new Google News is... Uh, basically, Google are going to use this to manipulate your opinion. Um towards their corporate goals so that's pretty mm. exciting second second update from google io um was google assistant i think i sent this clip to a bunch of people if you were yeah. in our telegram you would have seen the uh, the clip we posted in on this google assistant making a phone call for you so an actual voice assistant making a phone call on your behalf yeah so we'll, we'll play the clip now uh it's really worth a quick listen and just remember that this is a computer not a not a human not a that's human booking being. in this haircut yeah Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. Mate, that's really freaky. Absolutely monstrous it's uncanny like obviously it's a little bit contrived because it was their demo but yeah. if it's even half of that like what they just presented there well, almost immediately after they actually played um another phone call of one uh the, they got the assistant to try and book a table at a chinese restaurant yeah did not go well <laughs> um the assistant was very polite um yeah. but definitely it, there was a language barrier there. right um so yeah Really, really fascinating stuff. Almost mm. scary. Yeah. Um, I saw somewhere, somebody said, oh, who was it? It was the CEO of freelancer.com. Mm. Uh, um, mm. Starts with an M. Barry. Matt, Matt Barry. Barry. 
Um, Matt Barry, the CEO of Freelance.com, he tweeted saying, this is Google's Trojan horse for businesses. Mm. You, you know, he just f- took this one step forward and said, okay, well, what if these guys, if Google Assistant is answering your business's phone calls mm. and responding for you? Yeah. Google knows everything about your business, the whole way it works. And he goes, that's an info, like it's an information gold mine. Yeah. I don't think he said that, but yeah. it's like that. Yeah. It's kind of the trade off with all these things, isn't it? You, um, you, you give away some of your, your freedom and your privacy for the convenience. Mm. And that's, that's the big issue. What was the next one? So this one's really important for visually impaired people around the world. So apparently there are more than 200 million people in the world who are blind or visually impaired. Now, Google have introduced this idea of this app called Lookout. Um, now, it's basically you would wear your Google Pixel phone around your neck on a lanyard with a camera facing forward. Hmm. So it will actually start recognizing objects like traffic lights or zebra crossings or dog or lift button or mm. those sorts of things. And that's going to absolutely change the lives of millions of people in this yeah. world because just like, I, you know, neither of us know what it's like to go through life as a blind or visually impaired person. Mm. But the fact that Google are actually putting effort into this thing is insanely useful because... Yeah. That could be so good for so many people. Yeah. Um, and yeah. There's nothing else to say about yeah. it, but it's incredible. So that's a little one. Uh, there was another random one called Talk to Books. Um, so Google's AI blog, they've basically said you can almost ask questions, ask any question, and Google will sort of scour all the books in the Google Books repository and try and give answers to your question based on what was in those books. So mm. there were some sample questions like, what can a woman over 50 do to um, stay fit? And then it goes through all of these books and research papers and all that and springs up answers from the books. So it's kind of interesting. Wow. So it's called Talk to Books. And it's a really interesting experiment. And the last, well, the uh, two points that go hand in hand, uh, progressive web apps and service workers. So progressive web apps are basically a website that you could build for your company or project or podcast or whatever it was. Mm. And it works on desktop, mobile, whatever. However, on mobile phones, you can actually pin it to your home screen and it's basically a native app on your phone. But at the same time, it's loading from a website. But it, it, it's going to be there. They're super fast. Um, they're reliable in bad network conditions because once you've pinned it to your home screen and you've opened it, it actually stores some of the files from your website or your, mm. uh, on the on the device. Mm. So the next time you load the website, it's super fast. So it only updates the bits that need updating. Yep. Um, really, in, really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, Matt, you showed me an example of it earlier on with uh, the NAB. Yeah. The NAB, uh, what was it called? N- NAB Trade? NAB Trade. NAB Trade. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's basically a stock trading platform. Mm. Um, and yeah, they've just got, they've done the whole thing via progressive web app. So this space built into that for people to make really amazing experiences for mobiles, but without having to build mobile apps from scratch in mobile app languages and stuff, mm. but it just feels native and it's speed is probably the main benefit of that. Mm. And I personally think it's a great idea to be moving sort of towards web-based experiences for that and the whole caching it on a phone really interesting Mm. then built into that is an idea of service workers so according to google a service worker is a script that your browser runs in the background separate from a web page opening the door to features that don't need a web page or any user interaction 
Today, they already include features like push notifications and background sync, which you'll be, be familiar with. Mm. In the future, service workers might support other things like periodic sync um, or geofencing. So, you know, periodically updating, for example, the stock trading app on my phone with the latest portfolio information. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if there's good network conditions or if it's on Wi-Fi, then just you know, update every two hours so that next mm. time I check, it doesn't need to make a call. So if I'm a someone who's got a website then, I'd really want an app, but I can't afford to pay for like an app developer because they, it'll cost me like tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. I could instead use this new innovation from Google to essentially, with, with a bit of extra effort turn my web page into something that looks kind of like an app yeah yeah so you make sure you you can make a lightweight experience i say a lightweight experience just a rapid experience but then it means that you're only actually updating your website to update all those other places you don't need to go via an app store for people to install stuff Mm. um and yeah it's just expanding the web to give it more functionality which is exactly what we want and we're going to keep seeing it happen mm. and the final thing that google have been stressing again so those progressive web apps and service workers that google have been working on them for a while yeah um same with accelerated mobile pages which is basically just web pages on a diet yeah um big priorities for google um they just want it going as web pages to load as quickly as they can um if you're a web uh, if you're into building websites or search engine optimization Look up accelerated mobile pages and see if you can get that integrated with your website. You'll probably see a traffic gain from search engines just by having that. Sweet. That was really interesting. All right. So on our privacy and security section this week, we're going to look at something called Coin Storage Guru. And it's a project from uh, made by someone called Brendan Lee here in Australia. And it's what it, what it is, is it's essentially a hardware wallet but it's, it's splitting your hardware wallet up into three different sections. So mm. every cryptocurrency address, so if you get like a private address, a private key, public key, mm-hmm. that's all. You can essentially build a lot of those, especially through Ethereum, from what's called a 12-word mnemonic. Mm-hmm. So if you set up like your MetaMask account, for example, in your browser, it's like a MetaMask is like a way to interact with the Ethereum blockchain. You'll have to choose a 12 word mnemonic seed they call it and from this seed so you can choose essentially whatever 12 words you want and they'll generate you an ethereum address from those 12 words and if you ever lose your public key or your private key all you need is your 12 word seed and you can get back into your account that's it you don't need any other password or anything like that you just need to know those 12 words and so what SafeWords, which is the product from Coin Storage Guru does, is it allows you to split your mnemonic seed up into three different parts and then store them in three different locations. So for example, Joe, like if I wanted to split my Ethereum account up into three different parts, I could leave one with me here in the house. I'd mm-hmm. keep four words. I could leave one with you and I could take one out to where my parents live and bury it in a field somewhere and leave it with them as well. Mm. And the beauty of what this product does is, from my understanding, it allows you to, as long as you've got two of them, you can get back into your account. And there's a whole kit they give you. Mm. So, it basically, really worth checking out the website, coinstorage.guru. And it's a great a great idea. And, and, yeah, good on him for coming up with this. It's Basically, it gives all three p- cards two-thirds of your password. Mm. So, you'll be able to, yeah, get your full password in no time. Yep. 
yeah. So I'd say say fifteen dollars that we that we can see on the site. So fifteen US dollars, and it's just a great way I think to give yourself a bit a bit of extra redundancy mm. and uh, give yourself a bit more safety as well. So mm. we'll put the link in the show notes. Definitely worth checking out. And that is our privacy and security tip for this episode. Mm. Another episode, another chat with Dan down the ICO man. Last time we spoke to him, he was uh, he'd actually come up with a new product. Um, it was called ICO. I think it was called the Ultimate ICO Success Formula. Ah, yes, yeah. Of so course. it wasn't just a successful; it was an ah, ultimate yeah, like, yeah, ICO yeah. success formula. Yeah, so he's gotten in touch with us again. Love Sounds like this is going really well for him. Sounds like he's doing pretty well with his ICO success formula. So some of our listeners must have been must have been paying. I, I really hope not. <laughs> I really hope they uh they, they didn't get in touch with Dan at all. But um we uh we're agorous. We believe that you should take responsibility for your own actions and if you've partaken of Dan's offering, then that's your fault and not our fault. Yeah. So we take no responsibility for that. But yeah. We are uh, we are more than willing to have Dan on for the uh, the value that he provides mm. to our podcast, mm. maybe in a different way to the way that he thinks he provides the value. But look, he's called us and he said that he's in consensus in New York, and um, and so we're going to give him a call and just see what's what's going on. Hey Dan, hey how you doing? There's a lot of noise from from through the phone. Where are you at? Well, Joe, I'm reporting live here from the floor of consensus on the trail for my new ultimate ICO success formula. You remember I talked about it last episode, Joe. Well, I've got to say, it's been going gangbusters, Joe. Everyone wants a piece of Dan Dan the ICO man, Joe. I haven't been this popular since, well, since the last half of last year, Joe. So anyway, I'm here, Joe. I tell you what, I'm absolutely swamped with interest. People keep saying that this is going to slow down, Joe, but I can't see any evidence of it. I look around here on the floor of Consensus, Joe, and no one is busier than my boot here at Consensus. You know why, Joe? Because everyone wants to get in on the ICO market. Now, Joe, it's taking different forms. I mean, we've got airdrops, we've got side chains, we've got private chains, Joe, but everyone wants a piece of this sweet marketing pie called the Ultimate ICO Success Formula. Well, Dan, you've literally just got back from holiday. You've released the product. You're non-stop. You're, you, won't, you, you keep going until... Yikes, you are just such a busy guy. So what's the, bit, what's the reception like? Joe, it has been absolutely phenomenal. I gave a keynote yesterday here at Consensus, and it was packed, Joe. It was absolutely packed. The biggest question on everyone's lips is, look... They say, you know, people are people are searching out these frauds a lot more now. You know, we can't just launch with a web page. What makes us think that your formula will work, Joe? I mean, DeConnect's been shut down. USI Tech, well, I mean, their name's basically been run through the mud. So we need to think about a new model. And this is what I'm telling people. You can't just put any old web page up, Joe. It takes a lot more than that. These are things. These ICOs are things where you need to give more value to, to customers. You can't just give them the white paper, Joe. You've got to give them the yellow paper. You can't just give them any old web- website, Joe. You've got to have advisors. You've got to have some thought put into this. And most of all, Joe, you need to convince them that giving you their money is going to be the best thing that they've ever done, Joe. 
because that's what people want. They want to ride to the top. And you've got to convince them that you're going to take them there, Joe. Wow, Dan, this sounds absolutely fantastic. So for any of our listeners who can't make it to consensus this year, what is the one piece of advice that you'd give to somebody who is considering an ICO, and apart from buying a product, obviously? Well, Joe, my biggest piece of advice would be to follow your dreams, Joe. You have to dream big with this stuff. It's no longer good enough to say you are going to be the best. Just the one thing, Joe. People want platforms. People want to know that you're in it for the long haul, that you can pull more and more people into this platform. What I want to see them doing, Joe, is I want to see them dreaming big. I want to see them saying, this blockchain thing, I can make all my money I can on this thing. I'm going to retire at 35. And Dan Dan, the ICO man, Joe, he's going to take it. Dan, you are the round peg in the square hole that Steve Jobs talked about. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Look, i got to go. i got a, a bunch of people here waiting in the store, Joe. I'm literally getting flooded. I can't hire enough staff to help me sell this thing. So I'm going to go out to get back on my soapbox, selling a bit more, Joe. Look, your listeners can go to that same page again, and I'll see you later, Joe. So last time we left Jordan Cronier, he was chilling in Lieberland. He'd yeah. finally kind of given up his adventurous ways and he decided to settle down for a while in the libertarian paradise of Lieberland. Mm. Um, he's, he's gotten in touch with us and he's let us know that he's, he's also at Consensus. Mm. I thought where, he was going back to South Africa. Yeah, no, I, I thought he was going back to South Africa too, but he's gotten in touch with us and he said, no, I'm, I'm on my way to South Africa, but he's, he's going via Consensus. So right. we thought we might give him a call and, mm. uh, and see what's been going on for him. A consensus as well. Jordan, are you there? Oh, Bruce, yes, I'm here. How are you doing, huh? Oh, I'm good, Jordan. It's It's been a while. We haven't talked to you for a while. What have you been doing? It's been a while, huh? I, you know what? I was in Liberland. I got my, I got my diplomatic uh, immunity. Solves all my problems. Well, now, I'm actually in New York City here for consensus conference. I actually saw Dan Dan the RCO man here. Not believe it, huh? Standing next to the land- rented Lamborghinis at the front is Dan Dan the RCO man. You would not believe it, huh? Wow, you saw Dan. So what? What did his stall look like, Jordan? Oh, look. To be honest with you, oh, it's it's not my place to judge, but you know, it's it, there was there there were lights. There were there were pretty women. There was there was a lot going on there, but it was definitely the future from what I could understand from what he said, huh? Wow. Okay. So you know, we have Dan. Dan, the ICO man on our show as well, don't you? Oh, Blue, I'm a big listener, right? <laughs> Good, Jordan. So, Jordan, last time we talked to you, we um, you told us that you were going to South Africa. So, why did you decide to make the detour to consensus? Oh, it's a very good question. I, well, to be honest, I didn't feel like just going home to South Africa would just be like I'd be sitting there with my dogs with the, the fridge and the TV on there. Just be, it'd be silly, you know. I figured I've got to make something of my life. Huh? So, I went straight to New York City, the you know, big Apple, big shining lights. Lots of things going on there. I figured, why not find who Jordan Cronier is at the center of a of a crypto conference, huh? Mm, okay, so have you been talking with some of the celeb- crypto celebrities there? And oh, Blue, I've been doing some interviews for my listeners. You know, my listeners, my beloved listeners. They haven't received too many updates from me recently, but uh, but yes, they are. I've been I've been speaking to all kinds of people. You know these. You know, the famous people from crypto, you know, the Joseph Lubins, the Vitalik's, I've spoken to all of them, yes. Uh, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of things that they're doing that they're not telling the public about, it's very interesting. 
stuff, huh? Right. Okay. Um, so, Jordan, have people recognized? I mean, you're you're because you're kind of a crypto celebrity as well. I mean, have they have they recognized the creator of Zimbabwe Coin and uh, and Venezuela Coin and the the real inspiration behind Saudi Arabia's cryptocurrency as well? Are people recognizing uh, you for that? Or look, sometimes you just got the sometimes the genius, the true genius, is is not actually noticed. Um, it, it goes under the radar. I mean. It takes years for Gini. I mean, you remember Andreas Antonopoulos for his first talks on Bitcoin back mm. in 2009. He had mm. empty crowds, huh? Yeah, that's true. Same with Jordan Cronier. You, I'll tell you, in in ten years, you will you will see that you will see the popularity that Jordan has, huh? Right. So, Jordan, I was actually perusing the consensus uh, timetable, and I saw that you had a slot there. It was a, a twenty-minute slot talking to the crowd about something. What what were you talking to them about? So I was actually giving a, a fascinating presentation about how anybody can build on the success that Jordan Cronier has had building Zimbabwe coin and Venezuela coin. I told them how they could go and build their own crypto token to change the world. Wow. So what kind of people were attending the, the talk? Oh, there were a lot of people heading straight from Dan's booth, straight over here. And from here over to Dan's booth, I think we switched. We th- we, I think we shared, a, uh, shared an audience there, huh? Wow. Okay, Jordan. So it sounds like you've really been networking hard and there's going to be some, some big opportunities coming up. If you've got one takeaway from consensus, what would that be? New York hotels are expensive. As always, Jordan, it's an absolute pleasure. Oh, likewise, man. I'll catch you soon, huh? See you, mate. Okay, so in this week's community service announcements, we've really only got one big one, and that's, uh, that's to register your EOS tokens. Yeah, if you've bought EOS and you haven't registered them, you're just going to end up crying in two weeks if you haven't followed that advice. So please do. It's just silly, but yeah, if you've bought any EOS, make sure you register it. Seriously, register your tokens. Seriously. Come on. Seriously. You've got one job. I mean, what did you think you were doing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Being productive and contributing to society. Nonsense. If you're in Brisbane here in Australia, uh, we'll also be at the Block Rain event on the 29th, I think it is. It's a Tuesday anyway. Uh, Block Rain, which are an Australian uh, blockchain for farming startup. They're going to be here in town and they're running an event on the Tuesday. We'll also be having an interview with them sometime around that time as well and we'll put that out in the next the latest the next episode. So yeah, jump on the telegram. We'll have all the details there anyway. And if you're in Brisbane, we hope to see you there. Um sorry mate, what was that? When when is it? 29th. Uh, oh, I think it's the 29th. You literally said that all off the top of your head. I did. I did. I don't actually have it written down. If you know someone who might enjoy this, please feel free to share it with them. Um, you can find us at FOMO.show. You can jump on our Telegram at FOMO.show slash Telegram. We've moved to Telegram from Slack. So feel free to join us there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The FOMO Show. And YouTube at FOMO.show slash YouTube. That's up for it. <laughs> One more time. That's it for us here at the FOMO Show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. Yeah. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always, remember, no FOMO.
fart and no poo. I'm going to cut that part out, don't worry. Okay. Oh, fart and no poo. I am... Um, <laughs> <I can't... laughs> Joy, any idiot can see. Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin are Bitcoin. Both of them are Bitcoin. There is no difference between them. And look, I got their pamphlets. Uh. <laughs> We've been on coin market. Cat, they're a different boys. Same thing. <laughs> That's what we call arbitrage. You boy Bitcoin, you sell it for Bitcoin cash. <laughs> boy Bitcoin cash. Oh, no, no, anyway. <laughs> set, a, set a calendar event for Tuesday the 29th at 9pm. 6pm. <laughs> What's the title? Damn it, it's 9pm. <laughs> the title is now, Damn it, it's 9pm. <laughs> what? Uh, this is why we can't have nice things. It's so true. Now it's trying to <laughs> stick it in my... Google has stopped. Open the app again. <laughs> <laughs> I have crashed the artificial intelligence. <laughs> uh, is it secret? Is it safe? <laughs> is that what they whisper when a new blockchain comes out? <laughs> Take it, Gandalf. <laughs> Don't tempt me, Frodo. <laughs>